from the Irvington Voice in Fremont, California, this is The Voice Box. Hello everyone, this is The News Box. My name is Soham, and today I'm joined by Arnav to take uh, a look at the issue of 32.3 of the Irvington Voice. And our fourth story for this issue is about the changes made to parent-teacher conferences recently and how that impacts students and the way students are called for parent-teacher conferences. Next up, we're going to talk to Avril about Valhantid, specifically from the drama department, especially in regards to the changes regarding the advisor. And we'll also be joined by Misha in the differences between the AP English grading styles and how that impacts students and possibly causes equity issues. And all that and more coming up on Newsbox. Alright, for our first story, we'll be talking about parent-teacher conferences in Irvington and the changes to the way they're conducted. To help us further understand this issue, we'll be talking to Isha. So what changes have been made to the way parent-teacher conferences are conducted? So basically the main changes that they made this year regarding parent-teacher conferences were that they would first limited appointments to parents who had children who were failing the class. So if like a child has like a D or an F in the class, that would be the only way that they would be able to go to the parent-teacher conference. There were some exceptions for certain classes being made. So for example, if it's like an English 9 honors class and a majority of the people all have A's, then in certain cases, some like kids with C's would be able to go. A majority of this was because of the fact that they wanted to have deeper conversations with the parents of those children who were failing courses in order to understand why their children were failing the courses and then also get a like get better insight into how they could help the um, the children themselves. I believe you mentioned this like in your previous answer, but how has admin like justified those changes? Yeah, so when I talked to admin and when I talked to teachers about it, their main response was just saying, trying to get a better understanding of the student themselves. Um, the change in the policy this year is mainly centered towards trying to help students. So if a student is failing a class, understanding what's going on at home, maybe you're understanding like what type of prep they need to be able to have in order to better understand the subject. So it's about being able to create an action plan for the student that works with the parents, that works with the students, and that works for the teachers to ensure that the student is getting like, you know, the best quality education that they can. And for parents specifically, a lot of the times whenever like the child is failing a class, it may be because the parent is not as um, kept up with it as they could be. So admin believe that having parent-teacher conferences with parents of students who are failing classes only was a great time to not only get the student involved but also get the parents more involved than they previously were. And uh, what has been the teacher reaction to these changes? All of the teachers that I talked to, so I talked to Ms. Kaur and I talked to Ms. Chung, when I talked to both of them, both of them had told me that it had really helped them get a better understanding into the students who were not doing too well in their class and then what they needed to improve on. Um, they said that also it helped them increase the amount of time that they spent talking to each, uh, like, parents. So for example, Ms. Mohandas, who I also talked to, told me how before it would be only like five minutes per student. And now this time with the extended um, like amount of time that she could have 
per student. It was up to 10 minutes. So she was able to better talk to the parent, get a better understanding of what's going on at home or just what the student better needs. Um, the main thing that I think all of the teachers as a whole though communicated to me is that while it was really successful, communication regarding the new application for parent-teacher conferences definitely could have been better. Uh, Ms. Core specifically talked to me about how with the Parent Square, it was kind of difficult getting the invites out and restricting some of the invitations, not knowing if some parents received the emails. So I think it's definitely noted that admin could have done a better job with communication and being able to relay that information to the parents. But coming from the side of helping the students, it was definitely successful. All right, thank you, Isha. Uh, to read more of Isha's work, uh, check out the latest issue of the Arrington Voice. For our next story, we'll be talking about Irvington's Drama Department's very own haunted house, Val Haunted. To help us further understand the issue, we're joined by Avril. Could you explain more about Val Haunted as a concept? Yeah, so I'm the IHS voice writer that covered Valhaunted, and Valhaunted is an annual immersive haunted house experience the drama department hosts every year. And every year they choose a different like concept or storyline to play around. For example, for last year it was Alice in Wonderland, and this year they chose Twilight. So it was all around Twilight. They had characters from Twilight. The storyline kind of followed that, but they still made it like a scary experience rather than just a retelling of the story. That sounds very interesting. So could you speak more about the logistical management of the haunted house, given that it sounds very complex? Yeah, from uh, what I've learned from all the different members from my interviews, um, so the director, Mr. Ballon, is usually overseeing a lot of like the students because it's advanced drama students, drama two, three, and four. And so Mr. Ballon kind of oversees them, makes sure that they know what they're doing. But the vast majority of the planning is done by the drama four and drama three students. So Joycelyn was the drama four student. She kind of oversaw like the general planning. And then each drama three student uh, had their own section that they were polishing. And then Joycelyn kind of looked over the whole thing and polished it like as a whole. And the drama two students contributed by being mainly actors um, because Val Haunted is um, improv, improv, it's improvisational. So the drama two students can contribute a lot in terms of their own jokes or what they want to add to their characters. So drama two, three, and fours are all working together to make the haunted house come together. Amazing. So what were some challenges faced by the drama department? I believe your article mentioned a lot about Mr. Ballin's absence. Yeah, so due to uh, a health issue, an unforeseen health issue, Mr. Ballon wasn't able to um, be there overseeing the, his students for like a week or two. And Mr. Rontani, the stagecraft teacher, had to kind of um, take over and like supervise them. But of course, Mr. Ballon has the expertise of doing it for that many years. So after like Mr. Ballon had to leave for health reasons, um, the drama two, three, and four students were kind of, they kind of had to actually um, do a lot of the stuff themselves that they wouldn't have had to otherwise. And so I think I think it was a challenge for them because they had to step up and do the planning themselves and get the rehearsals in. And there wasn't really that same figure to um, hold their hand, I guess, as much as maybe previous years may have had. Thank you. To read more of Avril's work, make sure to read the latest issue of The Voice. So the next article we're covering was written by Misha and Jessica about the differences in grading between the AP Lang teachers. So we are joined by Misha. And what are the primary differences in grading styles between them? 
So we interviewed all three AP Learning teachers, and for context, we did a little experiment. We had an anonymous student submit a argumentative essay, and all three teachers graded it. Um, in Ms. Ferrer's class, the teacher, uh, Ms. Ferrer used uh, standards-based grading, where she grades based on quality and how, how much you meet, like standards of uh, AP and ELA. And Ms. O'Connor grades it based on um, also her AP rubric, but she focuses a lot on ELA. And in the essay, there weren't any citations. And she felt that without citations, the essay would have a detrimental grade in her class, and therefore she refused to grade it. Miss um, Martinez graded it, and she used a style called feedback, uh, feedback system, where she doesn't really grade the essay. She gives you feedback on the essay, which you can improve for future essays. So the student only received a definite score from Miss Ferrer's class, where she gave um, the student um, a four on certain standards and a three on certain standards, just like indicating whether they met it or whether they're excelling in those standards. Um, and you can see that between all three um, teachers, the main difference between all the grading styles is some focus more on ELA, while some focus more on AP standards, and therefore there's some there's a bit of a difference. And how do you think this difference impacts like individual students? Uh, I think because there's a big difference, a lot of the grades differ between all students. Some students might have a higher grade in Miss um, Martinez's class, for example, because they have feedback to improve on future essays, and that's basically how they earn their grade. While some grade, some students might have a lower grade in Miss O'Connor's class because she grades essays traditionally um, out of points, which means that um, there's a difference between each grades. But then when it comes to the AP exam, um, we've noted that scores between all three classes are pretty much the same or are very similar, which means that even though there's a difference within the grade of each class, there isn't too much of a difference when it comes to the AP exam. And like, have you noticed like any advantages or disadvantages to each system? An advantage to the um, feedback system and the standards-based grading system is that you can turn in assignments late, which means that if you ever need more time on an assignment or you just need more time to think over an essay or something, then you can turn it in late um, until like a certain amount of period. Um, and then that basically helps you refine your essay and just make sure that you're meeting the standards. Um, however, some disadvantages from that is that obviously it doesn't reflect on a student's ability to uh, write an essay in a certain amount of time, which is something that AP learning students are supposed to do. Um, when it comes to the traditional system, a, um, an advantage is that you are up to date and um, ready to um, take the AP exam because you're writing in-class essays and you're getting them graded at the, a traditional score. Um, but some disadvantages is that students aren't able to take their time or they're not able to um, improve on their work if they weren't able to um, get a good score on the essay. Whereas if you have like a standards-based grading system or a feedback system, you're able to redo your essays. All right, thank you, Misha, for joining us today. To check out more of Misha's work and also Jessica's work, uh, read the latest issue of the Irvington Voice. For our next story, we'll be talking about Killers of the Flower Moon with Soham. Soham, your first question is, what's this film about and why is it such a big deal? Uh, so Killers of the Flower Moon is the story of the Osage tribe during the 1920s and how like that tribe gained a lot of wealth during that time due to oil reserves found on their land and how like the local white population and like you know much of the white population tried to infiltrate that wealth and the murders that took place while they were trying to infiltrate that wealth. Right, that sounds very interesting. So many critics are saying that this is Leonardo DiCaprio's best work. 
you agree with that conclusion? I disagree with that conclusion. Um, you know, people are also saying that it's the director Martin Scorsese's best work. And when I, as I was watching the film, you know, I had high expectations, obviously, because the reviews were saying those like high remarks. But I disagree. Um, you know, the film is very slow, and the film faces many of the same problems that the book faces, where it focuses too much on like the perpetrator of the crime stories, like the let's say the white people in the film focuses too much on them rather than the trauma that the Native Americans faced, which is what many critics have pointed out. Despite the shortcomings, in what ways do you think this is a step in the right direction to representing underrepresented communities such as the Native Americans? I think uh, Scorsese did a good job of hiring Native American actors uh, for the Osage tribe roles, giving them chances. You know, historically what has happened is that white actors were hired or non-Native actors were hired and they're given makeup or whatnot, and this time it they gave chances to very talented Native American actors. And also he rewrote some of the script to focus more on the Native story. While it came up short, it, it was an improvement from the book. Understood. Thank you, Soham. And to read more of his work, check out the latest issue of The Voice and look for his article on Killers of the Flower Moon. In this segment, we'll be talking about a pro-con article written by Ashley and Serena where they compared and contrast the Asian and U.S. school systems, and we're joined by Ashley. So Ashley, what are some common misconceptions we see about the Asian school system? I think one very mis common misconception is that the teachers are extremely strict and like overly, I guess, controlling. but. Actually, um, it really depends on the school itself. The school I was at, the teachers were all actually very nice to us. I mean, obviously, if you miss assignments and you do things um, that you're not supposed to, they're going to be strict. But overall, they actually really cared about us and our grades. And not only did they, like, they don't just pile work on you, they actually genuinely help you improve in all aspects of your schoolwork. And uh, you obviously had experienced the Asian school system. What were some of the pros that you had noticed while? Um, one thing was definitely the general environment of the schools. Um, the schools are a lot cleaner because we students clean them ourselves. And also, as I said before, the teachers are generally better. And I think this might just be for me personally, but I really like the style of the teaching and the way we took tests. It just a lot more memorization based which helped me um, personally. And there was like less of a focus on extracurriculars, correct? Yeah, so a lot of the students actually don't really have extracurriculars. Um, we kind of focus a lot on academics and obviously here in the U.S. extracurriculars are so emphasized, especially when it comes to college apps. And I think um, that pressure, like we didn't have that pressure to be doing all these things outside of school and we could really just focus in our homework and tests. And what are some things like both school systems can take from the other and like make like more of a like a perfect or well-rounded school system? Um, I think Asian school systems can obviously take away like that kind of freedom of um, being yourself and also the classes we take, you don't really get a choice on what classes you take in Asian school systems like in the U.S. they have electives. Um, but in the U.S. I think one thing is definitely the quality of teaching. Um, I feel like a lot of the teachers don't care as much or they don't seem to care as much and it could also be because how teachers are paid a lot less in accordance to like the cost of living in each um, area. 
All right, thank you, Ashley, for joining us today. To check out more of Ashley's work and as well as Serena's work, uh, read the latest issue of the Irvington Voice. For our next story, we're going to talk to Melanie about the boys' football season and how it went and the overall thoughts about it. So how did the Viking football team do this season? The Viking, the Viking football team did really well this season. I think they accomplished more than they thought they were going to. Um, they definitely had improvement from last year. Last year was a bit scattered, but with this new coach and with the boys really pushing towards like team work and like working together as one, they really improved this year. Right, and so what were the coaches' overall thoughts about how the season went for the football team? So the coaches' overall thoughts were very positive. Um, as I said, as I mentioned, it was um, our head coach's first year, and he so he implemented a lot of new rules. He asked the boys to do a lot of new things, and yet it really just like improved them as a team. Like they um, really did their best, and I think the coach saw that in them, and he's really excited to keep working with them. Right, and. Were the players themselves satisfied with the way they performed? Um, so the players I talked to, they were very satisfied with how they performed. They wish they could have done more. They really wanted to compete for league championship, um, but unfortunately, they were only they made it to I think fourth in the league. Um, but they were really happy with their overall accomplishments. Right, and apart from how they performed this season overall, what impact did football have on a player's high school experience? I think football has a very strong sense of community. As a team, they were really able to like get to know one another. Um, we had a captain mention that at the beginning of the season, it was very scattered. The boys didn't really know each other, but um, over time, they started to work together. They became really close friends, and just their kind of community strengthens one another and strengthens them within the school community as well. Thank you, Melanie. So if you read more of her season summary on boys football, check out the latest issue of The Voice. Thank you for listening to this episode of Newsbox. To read more stories, check out the latest issue of The Voice out today. Also, stay tuned for our new episodes coming out in the next month. Thank you.